0: well good morning Church I hope that you are ready for a word if you are why don't you type I'm ready in the comment section I'm so excited to get into the word our text today is Luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4 and this is going to be a powerful message last week we talked about purpose I I wasn't able to get everything in I wasn't able to share everything that was on my heart and that I was feeling so I feel that we should come back around to this idea of purpose and do a case study of what happened when Jesus announced his purpose. But before we get into that, why don't you lift up your hands wherever you are? We're bringing so much into this moment. And even though we're separated, even though we're virtual, this is a phenomenal opportunity for us to come together and lift one another up in prayer. So lift up your hands right now. God in heaven, we ask that your presence would be present with us, that your spirit would penetrate even technological devices and distance, and would make up all the things that we lack. God, we need your power, we need your presence. God, there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. So Luke chapter four is our text. You know, a few years ago, I recognized a certain phenomenon. It was actually probably about a decade ago. And I started to see popular preachers and ministry leaders talk about one particular word. And this word became something that spawned all kinds of sermon series and sermons and, and discussions and even live chat, streaming services, whatever it may be. It, it sparked this conversation. And it's one word, it's the word haters. Lift your hand if you've heard this before. Your haters will become your elevators. You ever heard something like that? Put a hand up in the chat if you've ever heard anything about haters in church. And you know what? It, it drove so much of our conversation, our theology. We just started talking about haters. We didn't know who they were, where they came from. We just started talking about haters. Everybody had haters. And it became something that we were so involved in and enveloped in. And then there was this push, this pendulum swing where a bunch of theologians and other pastors and ministry leaders started to critique this idea of haters. As a matter of fact, they would go so far as to say, nobody's thinking about you. Nobody cares what's going on in your life. Nobody's out to get you. This is just a figment of your imagination to make yourself feel as though you're more important than you actually are, or you're on people's mind more than what you actually are. And so there were these two extremes. And the truth of the matter is, I kind of fell in the middle. Because yes, it's true that we overemphasize our haters. Yes, it's true that we overemphasize and exaggerate when people are thinking about us or talking down to us. But it's also true in the opposite that whenever we start to do something for God, not everyone will like it. It, Riddle me this, isn't it interesting that Jesus says that the servant is not greater than the master? And if it's true that the master is Jesus, and if it's true that people hated Jesus, what do you think is going to happen to us? (laughs) What do you think is going to happen to us when we decide to follow Jesus? What do you think is going to happen to us when we decide to walk in the purpose that Jesus has set before us? What do you think is going to happen to us when we decide that it is our time to do what God has called for us to do? And I want to talk about purpose as it relates to people. Someone type people in the comments. I want to talk about what happens when the people around you who are supposed to acknowledge and affirm your purpose actually do harm to you? What happens to your purpose when the people who are supposed to acknowledge and affirm what you have been called to do, some of the people who are closest to you, perhaps some of the people who were in your own family, perhaps some of the people who are your friends, perhaps some of the people who promised to be always behind you, perhaps some of the people who promise that they would never leave, what happens when they harm you? What happens to your purpose when they turn their backs on you? And if you're thinking that this is just an isolated incident that happened to us, might I remind you that Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery? Might I remind you that even Jesus' disciples abandoned him in his time of need? Might I remind you that many of the people who are close to some of the greatest men and women in the scriptures were plagued with betrayal? Many of the people who were close to them turned their backs on them in their time of need just because you have a purpose you need to hear this the uncomfortable truth is this your purpose will upset people your purpose will upset people it may not be as many as you think it may not be as many as you expect it may not be everyone is against you you might not even have to create a narrative about it but the truth of the matter is it will inevitably happen your purpose will upset people And I'm here to free you because many of you have come to this reality and understand the fact that there are people around you who are against you or not for you. And I'm here to tell you that that's not a bad thing. That's not punishment. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter six, verse 26 in the NIV. This is what Jesus says. Two chapters after our text today. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says this, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. I love how the NLT puts it. That's the NIV in Luke 6:26. This is the NLT. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? I'm here to remind you, and this is especially something that I really want to get in the hearts and minds of our millennial and Gen Z members. You cannot go through life And claim to do exactly what god called you to do and expect for everyone to like you this is the uncomfortable truth your purpose will upset people you might have the most noble intentions you might be as humble as you can possibly be you might be as self-effacing you might be as unassuming you might push away the spotlight as much as you possibly can. You might give back to the community. You might consider other people. You might always be there for the same people who are going to turn on you, but I'm here to prepare prepare you for this. If you are going to follow Jesus, you must prepare your heart for your purpose to upset some folks. How did Jesus handle this? I think it's interesting because if there's one person who would be the accurate test case for what to do when your purpose upsets people, would have to be the person of Jesus. Of course, you know that Jesus came down as the Messiah, God, man, in the flesh. Jesus came down to save the world from their sins. Jesus came down to complete a royal mission from the very throne room of God. But Jesus was not greeted with open arms. Jesus was not even accepted by the people who should have accepted him. The Bible says that he came into his own and his own received him not. Luke chapter four talks about it after Jesus had been led into the wilderness to be tempted, after Jesus had passed this test, after Jesus had gone through all these things, he goes into the synagogue. And this was one of his customs. He had gone into multiple synagogues and he was uh, preaching the gospel, preaching the word. He was helping other people. And then it says something that that is very interesting. In verse 16 of Luke chapter four, it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and let's just stop right there jesus was not born in a palace jesus was not born in fancy royal regalia jesus was not born in places of richness and privilege and royalty jesus was born in poverty and jesus actually was born in a place called nazareth and people had even said even one of his own disciples can anything good come from nazareth and look at what luke chapter 4 says about what jesus does luke chapter 4 gives us three particular things that make people uncomfortable that upset people about jesus's purpose look at verse 17 it says here and the scroll of the prophet isaiah was given to him he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written and this is what it says here in isaiah chapter 61 it's a reference the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Catch the drama here. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Notice here that the first thing that upset people about Jesus's purpose is what he came to do. That's the first thing that upset him. The first thing that upset the people when it was relating to Jesus is what he came to do. It's clear here that Jesus had a different mission. Jesus had a different target audience. More on that in a little bit. Jesus had a different group that he was trying to reach. Jesus had a different type of mission. And so many in that community at that time were disappointed because Jesus did not come in the way that they expected for him to. Most people expected the Messiah to be a political savior. They expected the Messiah to come in and overthrow the Romans so that they as a people would no longer be oppressed. Most people expected that Jesus was going to come in and overthrow King Herod and overthrow the Roman regime in some powerful triumphal moment, but Jesus didn't come the way people expected. So for Jesus to use Isaiah chapter 61, which is all about a predictive prophecy, which is all about the Messiah coming, and to look at them and say, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, it must have meant the most confusion and disequilibrium that they could receive because the savior of the world was not doing what they expected him to do. Here's something you need to know, especially millennials, Gen Z members, that sometimes you cannot control other people's expectations of what you should do. I hate to break it to you, but the people who say that they're for you, say that they're behind you, say that they're with you, often have expectations of you That when you do what God has called for you to do, even the closest people, the best friends, even the people within your own family might be disappointed at what God called you to do. You ever heard this? I thought that you would always do fill in the blank. (laughs) I thought that you would always be fill in the blank. I thought that you would always live fill in the blank. Whatever it may be, it's not necessarily even an evil or wicked thing. It's just people importing their own expectations upon you. It's just people telling you what they believe would be best for your life. And if you're going to follow God's purpose, you need to hear this. You cannot follow other people's expectations for what they expect and intend for you to do. Quite the opposite. You must disappoint people. (laughs) Let me help you with something. Because your pathway to destiny is also a pathway of disappointment to people. <laughs> if you want to follow your pathway to destiny, then you along the way will have to disappoint some people. You'll have to tell them, I can't do that. you have to tell them, I can't go to this college. You have to tell them, I can't go there. You have to tell them that I cannot fulfill and meet your expectation because I must fix my face on doing what God has called for me to do. And if I want to do what God has called for me to do, I can't do everything everyone else is asking for me to do. And it is disappointing. And it makes our expectations sometimes, it makes us feel uncomfortable and awkward. But the people had expected Jesus to come to do something else. But Jesus had to fulfill the mission that was given to him by his father. Are you disappointing someone? Are you making people feel a little uncomfortable with what you've decided to do? Are people looking around at you and saying, hold up, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you going here? And you know God called you to do it. You know there's spiritual authority and and, and people who are are guiding you and giving you wisdom. You know this is what you're supposed to do. But you're looking around and you're saying, I don't know based upon what other people have communicated as their expectations of you. Can you please cross this line right now? Check this off the box. Get ready to disappoint some people. Get ready to say no. I want to remind you of something. No is a complete sentence. (laughs) When you say no, you don't always have to explain yourself. Sometimes you just need to say no. Put no in the comments. Say no. What else do I say? Nothing. Just say no. Because sometimes in our walk with God, we are going to have to disappoint some people. And that's not an evil thing. That's reminding us of who the allegiance really belongs to. Can I remind you once again that your allegiance doesn't belong to people as well-meaning or as supportive as they have been? Your allegiance does not belong to the crowd of people who applauded you. Your allegiance doesn't even belong to the people who put you on. Your allegiance belongs to the people, not that put you on, but the people who are adhering to what God has said about your life. People didn't put you on, God did. People didn't give you that platform, God did. People didn't give you that talent, God did. People didn't bless you with that anointing, God did. And I'm here to encourage you, church, that if you're going to do what God called you to do, you better be prepared to disappoint some people. And that's not a sign that you're unfaithful. That's a sign that you're faithful to the right person. But the, the story goes on. Verse 22, it's so interesting. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. But then there's a flip. In the B clause of the text, there's sarcasm. And they said, is not this? joseph's son clearly they were probably upset because of what he came to do and then they threw a little shade at him because of where he came from isn't it so interesting that whenever you start walking in your purpose people all of a sudden become historians and start reminding you of your past isn't it interesting that all of a sudden when you start walking your in your anointing People become archaeologists and they unearth all these things that used to come, that you used to say, that came out of your mouth, that you posted online, places where you went. They start becoming experts on your testimony. Is anybody, maybe I'm not talking to you. Maybe I'm talking to the people in here. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, you know, when, as soon as I started walking for Jesus, as soon as I started doing something for God, All these people started coming out of the woodworks and reminding me of what I used to be, reminding me of where I came from, trying to humble me, trying to throw shade, raining a little bit on my parade. Isn't it interesting that sometimes people are upset when you step into your purpose? Isn't that fascinating? They said, isn't this Joseph's son? They couldn't square the fact that Jesus had said, Now I have fulfilled Isaiah 61, with the fact that how is the Messiah going to be a carpenter's son? How is the Messiah going to come from a commoner? How is the Messiah going to come from a woman who was supposedly pregnant out of wedlock? How could it be? How could God use someone like this? This is dripping from their question. You have to see between the lines. It's dripping from their question that they see this as being something that can't be reconciled. There's no way that the Messiah would come from a carpenter. There's no way that the Christ would come from one who handles wood. There's no possible way this could happen. What is it that people remind you of? Is it where you came from? They remind you of what you didn't have growing up. You you realize everyone's not some massive success story, not some Hollywood fable. Some people are still struggling. They came from the struggle and they still are. You realize those people aren't less than. If you're watching and that's you, you're not less than. You realize that, right? Do people remind you of the fact that, who do you think you are? We remember you when. We remember what you used to do. We remember what you used to say. Now, because you're following God, you think you're better than us. Oh, you're talking about therapy and emotional health. You must be better than us now. Oh, oh, it was fine for you earlier, but now you're saying, I don't know if this environment fits me. Oh, okay, now we see what, we see who you are. We see what you're thinking. We see what you're doing. And it can come from some of the people who you think should be the ones who accept you. Can we do some hard work here, church? Can we really be honest with one another? Can we really be vulnerable with one another? It is hard to maintain the same inner circle and the same support system that you started with at the end. And do you realize that's okay, church? Do you realize that some people are going to remind you of so much, or they're going to grow out Of relationship with you and that's not a negative thing that's not sin that's not iniquity that's not something that's evil that's just human Jesus had some people who remembered him when he was a kid and now that he was a grown man walking in his purpose to save the world they couldn't be around him anymore and if Jesus had some people that couldn't stay around him If Jesus had some people in his inner circle who betrayed him, who abandoned him, who left him. You think you're greater than that? Think that's not going to happen to you? Prepare your heart now. People will remind you of what you can't do before they applaud you for what you can. And that's okay, church. You're not deficient. You're not less than. You have not disappointed God. The second someone reminds you of your past, remind them of your future. Where are you going, church? What does God have planned for you? This is why knowing your purpose is so important because people could have easily pointed at Moses and said, you're nothing but a murderer. If Moses truly believed God, he could have come back and said, yeah, but I'm a liberator too. People could have easily looked at Esther and said, you're just a slave. And she could have come back and said, But I'm a queen, too. People could have looked at Paul and said, you're nothing but a Christian killer. He could have easily come back and said, yeah, but now I'm an apostle. Just because it happened to you, or you were involved in it before, doesn't mean God can't change your story. That was a chapter. That's not the book. And I'm here to remind you that as we're on this journey toward our purpose, don't think Don't overthink the past. Don't obsess about what happened and don't let other people remind you of it. either. The story continues in verse 23. After the people had said, isn't this Joseph's son throwing the shade on him? This is what Jesus says. And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. And when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, None of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. He's building an argument here. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Not only were they upset with what he came to do and where he came from, you know what they were also upset with? Who he came to save. And this is where the crux gets. Because sometimes people in your life, sometimes people in your situation will be upset that your purpose doesn't involve them. Sometimes they'll be upset because your purpose is not directly applicable to what they do in their lives. They always had this image of you and them starting a business together. And now that you've decided to go into social work, now that you've decided to be a teacher, they're so disappointed because now your purpose doesn't involve them. Now your purpose is not connect with them. Now your purpose is not something that they can benefit from. Why are you reaching those people? Why are you doing, why are you wasting your time? Have you ever heard this? That doesn't make any money. That's not successful. How are you going to make a living on that? That's just a dream. That's just a pipe dream. Don't worry about that. Why are you doing that? Do something that makes more money, gets you a better life, provides for your children. Why don't you do this? And and people didn't understand that Jesus was trying to tell them that the people that you have ignored, the people that you have forgotten about, because you have forgotten about them, I will go reach them. What does he say? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what? Because he's anointed me to be in places of privilege? Because he's anointing me to be in the powerful rooms? Because he's anointed me to be with royalty, and rich people? Because he's anointed me to be on everyone's Instagram feed? All the people who have hundreds of thousands of followers? No. What does he say? He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of sight to the blind set at liberty those who are oppressed the people on the margins is who jesus came for and a lot of people don't realize this because they're so busy trying to prop themselves up and talk about all the ways that they have advanced in their lives not knowing that them talking about their advancement and censoring them is actually stepping away from where jesus was trying to reach jesus was actually trying to reach the people who knew they needed a savior not the people who thought that they could save themselves jesus didn't come for those who said i've got it all together he came for those who said i don't have it all figured out jesus didn't come for those who said i could make it on my own don't worry about me he came for those who can say i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and likewise your purpose will often be people It will involve people that you don't expect, that maybe even the people around you don't like. Maybe even the people around you have ignored. Your purpose is going to upset people. Maybe it's what you do. Maybe it's where you came from. Maybe it's who you came to save and encourage. But I'm here to give you some good news. If it's true that your purpose will upset people, that's the bad news. Can I give you some good news? Your purpose has nothing to do with who accepts you. God is not looking down from heaven saying, all these people have turned their back on them, I can't use them. God is not looking down from heaven saying, based upon the fact that their family has abandoned them and all the friends that they grew up with, they're not in the same environment that they are in still. God is not looking down from heaven and saying, I can't use you because of that. Quite the contrary, if you have been abandoned, you are in great company. If you have been marginalized, you are in great company. If you have been isolated, you are in great company. God can use people who have experienced that hurt. God can use people who have been rejected because God understands that when you've been rejected, when you've been pushed away, when you've been isolated, all you have is him. And I think there's a few people, at least five, who have been in that scenario, maybe you're in it right now, where you have been by yourself and you're looking around and you're saying, who can I run to? Who can I turn to? And the only person that you could find, the only person that answered the call was God himself. The only person that was present with you, the only person that promised to leave you, never leave you nor forsake you, was Jesus himself. And if that is true of you, then you have reached a place where you can truly walk in your purpose. Because when it's just you and Jesus and you know you can still make it, when it's just you and Jesus and you know you're not going under, when it's just you and Jesus and you know that everybody could talk about you, but you know who has your back, When it's just you and Jesus, I feel this thing, when it's just you and Jesus, and you know that a lot of people would put you down and would abandon you and would leave you on the side of the road if they saw you, and they're talking about you, and they're slandering your name, and and, and they're talking down on you, even to your own friends and family members. When it's just you and Jesus, you can keep moving. When it's just you and Jesus, you can look your head up to the hills from whence comes your help. When it's just you and Jesus, church, That's when you know it's real. When you're in the midnight hour and you can't get a hold of anyone else. And your tears, you're catching your own tears. Know that Jesus is catching them too. He's bottling your tears when it's just you and Jesus. That's when your purpose is solidified. And I think there's a few people, it's just you and Jesus right now. Sure, you attend virtual church. You have friends in the church. You have friends in real life. But when it comes to your purpose, you feel lonely. Is there anybody you want to raise a hand in the chat? That's me. Anybody bold enough to say that's me? Anybody audacious enough to be, hey, I'll be honest. I'll put myself out there. If it's just you and Jesus, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to give you a word of encouragement. Your purpose is solidified when you're isolated. Your purpose is cemented when nobody who you thought was going to be with you stays with you. When the people abandon you, that's where the money is. That's where the maturity is. That's where the power is. Jesus knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be isolated knows what it's like to be marginalized, knows what it's like to be lied on. And if it's just you and Jesus, you're in good company, church. Lift up your hands right now. Father, I pray right now for those who who are saying in their hearts, maybe crying with their tears, standing up with their legs, whatever they may be doing. I pray right now for those who say, right now, in this moment, it's just me and Jesus. I pray that they would feel the spirit of God this week stronger than they have the entire year. I pray that you would show them that you haven't forgotten about them. That you would impart into them your wisdom and your love and joy. That says it may just be me and Jesus right now, but I know I'm not by myself. I know I'm not alone. I know I can keep going on. Because Jesus is keeping me moving. I pray for every single person who's in the midst of pain, who's in the midst of transition, who's in the midst of heartache, who's in the midst of betrayal, who's in the midst of deception. God, I speak a word of healing upon them. I pray that they would feel as though your presence is right there with them, that they would not feel on their own even though in human terms they should feel that way. I pray, God, that they would feel empowered that they would feel liberated, that they would feel encouraged, that they would feel strengthened, that they would feel sharpened, and that they would wait on you. Because just because we've upset people doesn't mean we're not walking in our purpose. Quite the contrary. God, you have not placed our worth and our value in people's opinions. So may we be free. And may we be free to walk in whatever you have called for us to walk in in jesus name amen amen church your purpose will upset people but be encouraged god has not forgotten about you god's not taking an opinion poll on your life continue in what god has called for you to do i love you church see you next week well church i hope that that word and worship blessed you i hope it challenged you I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions, we truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away, that the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hand and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you wanna sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NBCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here, and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler on behalf of our entire team.
1: Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed. Hello, New Dimensions family and friends. This is a special day. This is Pastor Tyler Burns' 33rd birthday. My, 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 it's a surreal moment as I think about 33 years ago. One month earlier, I had just entered into full-time ministry as an assistant pastor And uh, one month later, he was born. He was birthed, not just into a family, but he was birthed into ministry. And how prophetic it was that 33 years later, he would be leading the church that I founded 29 years ago. Pastor Tyler was so proud of you. And sir, we say happy birthday to you. But I'm not the only one. Here's some others that want to tell you how special you are to them and how much they want to just uh, express their love to you right now. And speaking of expressing love, you can go to his uh, Cash App, uh, Dollar Sign, capital G, Burns uh, 2. That's uh, Dollar Sign, capital G, Burns 2. And bless him today, because he's such a blessing to us. as he has led us successfully and victoriously uh, through this pandemic over the past year. But listen to some other people, Pastor Tyler, that want to tell you happy
2: birthday.
3: Hi Tyler, it's Tab. I just wanted to stop and say happy birthday from myself and the S. Johnson girls. We hope you have a great weekend, fun field as much as COVID will allow. But you and Mylena have done such a great job with the church. I cannot wait until we're back in person to see and hug on everybody. But I just wanted to stop and say happy birthday. Your birthday twin says happy birthday as well in her sign language. But still, happy birthday, y'all have a great one. Bye. Hey, Pastor Tyler, we just want to say how grateful we are that you're pastor. But you're such a great friend. You exude Jesus in so many different ways. Yes, we cannot tell you enough how much we appreciate your humility and how you've welcomed us into your life and into your church. Welcome to all of us with our questions and our doubts. And um, you've received us with zero judgment and you've just shown us such intentional love and you inspire us in so many ways. So we just want to say happy Happy birthday,
2: birthday, Pastor. Pastor.
3: Happy birthday, Tyler. Just wanted to say, I'm so proud of you and you uh, have You're such a great pastor to the church and the way you've handled everything this past year with COVID and all these new responsibilities that nobody was sure how to handle. You handled them so well, and you've just handled everything that you've done with so much grace and confidence and leadership, even if you may not have felt like it. And you're such a great role model to our church and to our city and to our nation. And uh, just so proud of you and Melina for how well you've been leading and I'm looking forward to many more years and I hope you have such a great birthday. Love you. Happy birthday, Tyler. We love you. Thanks so much for being our lead pastor. Keep up the good work. God bless you on your special day and every day.
2: Hello, Tyler. My hot times flies. I can remember you were just a preteen when i first met you and i said to myself this boy is destined to do things to come now years later you are a husband with a beautiful wife hi malina you are a great father to two lovely children and you changed my life. You officiate my son's wedding and I'm forever grateful for that your birthday is here and I want to wish you happy birthday and many many more take care bye hey
3: Pastor Tyler we're um, actually still on vacation in Orlando. I guess we'll be back by the time you do this. But I had to take a moment out to tell you, um, happy birthday. You are uh, the best pastor we could ask for, a wonderful person all around, and we appreciate you. And I just wanted to tell you that I really hope you enjoyed your special day. And I thank God for blessing you with many, many more birthdays. Love you. Okay.
1: Hey, what's going on, my friend, Mr. Burns? Hey, man, uh, I'm here in North Carolina celebrating the graduation of my niece, and I'm here with JP and my nephew, CJ. And man, we just was thinking about you, man, and we just wanted to give you a shout out and wish you a very, very, very happy birthday.
2: Happy Happy birthday, Tyler. Tyler.
1: Hey, we'll see you, man. Be blessed.
2: What's up, bro? How you doing? This your boy, Mr. C here from the 850. I'm chilling. I wanted to say happy birthday. Shout out to Pastor Tyler. Happy birthday. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for leading us in worship and praise and truth and moving the church forward, moving the community forward. This birthday wish comes from the entire Hendrix family, this birthday celebration wish. So I am proud to be a member of New Dimensions and serving with you. And we are as a family. So thanks again. Have a very special happy birthday. Peace. Hey, cousin. I just wanted to, me and Reese just wanted to thank you and say happy birthday. And I love you and appreciate you for all the encouragement over the years that you've been giving me. What's up, Tyler? It's your boy, Reese. You know with my boy Billy out here. Just wanna say thank you for all you've done for us, spreading wisdom and knowledge to us and and being a spiritual blessing on us. And we just wanna wish you a happy birthday. So, see you. See you, cousin.
0: Hey, Pastor Tyler, it's Rick and Sean. Uh, We wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. We miss you and we are looking forward to coming back and seeing you once the church reopens back up. I know it's been a while since we were able to see you in person, but we love what you're doing and believe us when we say we're still watching. Happy
3: birthday Pastor Tyler, you're an awesome pastor, it's to see you. Happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday Pastor Tyler,
2: see ya. Hey, what's up, Pastor Tyler Burns? This is Dwayne Crocker. I love you so much, bro. I
1: just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. I pray that the Lord just continues to bless you. You're such a blessing to everybody else, man. So yeah, love you, dude. Enjoy your birthday.
2: Hey, Tyler, I wanted to tell you happy birthday, and I hope you have a blessed birthday. And thank you for all the things you've done for me and for the church, and have a blessed birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Tyler. I just want to say that I'm um, so proud of you, and- Just so honored to to be your brother and also be along you as you as the pastor you're leading this church in a new era with all the obstacles and all the challenges that have, you know, been presented to us this last year. I'm so thankful for your leadership and your guidance. And I pray that you have a double amount of years, many more years um, as a father, um, as a husband, and everything that you're involved in, in your daily endeavors. And uh, I'm just
3: so, so thankful for you and, and everything that you do for us, um, this church and um, our family. And um, I love you, man. Happy birthday. Tyler Burns, Tyler Burns, Tyler Burns. I really don't know, like, how much more can be said about your incredible character, your love for the Lord, your love for the people, and your endless fight for the culture. You are one of a kind. It has been my joy to serve underneath you in my time in Pensacola, but to still be disconnected to you in the faith and to know that you are a person that my husband and I can always call if we just want to chop it up or if we just need a laugh or um, if we need a quick word of inspiration, Tyler you really are a gift to this world and I'm so glad that the Lord has preserved you to see another birthday. So we wish you all of the incredible blessings that the Lord has to offer. And even with all of the incredible things you've done so far, I just know that God has even more for you in this next year and in the future and beyond thank you thank you thank you thank you Tyler for being you being authentically you and sharing that with us so we send you all of the happy birthday love and hugs all the way from California Sean and I love you Liz and I love you we hope to see you soon but (laughs) we love you Pastor Tyler.